Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we've come to bring our part tonight. And this is the work of God that you believe. This is the work of God that you believe. So, Father, we believe. We choose to believe. And we thank you, Father, for what your power accomplishes when we believe. We give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. We give you glory and honor and thanks. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Give someone around you a great big God bless you. Then you can be seated tonight. Dad Hagen would make a statement to us. He would say, it's when you get thrilled with the word that it works for you. Amen. When you get thrilled, not when the preacher thrills you, (laughs) but you're thrilled at the word. That's when it works. And so many times people are waiting for the word to work and God's waiting for them to be thrilled with it. Amen. Thank God for the word. You know, tonight we're going to tag on to what pre- the flow of, that's been happening in previous services, but I appreciate that Paul in his writing in the Amplified said, he said, um, it is not grievous for me to write to you the same thing again, but it is a precaution for your safety. So notice this, you're not safe with one hearing. And so I so appreciate that Dad Hagen taught us the value of hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. So if that's going to happen, we're going to have to preach the same thing over and over and over. And when someone says, I've heard that before, they've lost their thrill. The thrill, your thrill is gone, baby. And you better get your thrill back. Because the word never loses its thrill. But if we veer from off the word, we can, uh, we can diminish what that word will do. So I'm... I'm thrilled to be able to tell you and teach you some of the same things again because it's a precaution. It's a precaution for our safety. Amen. Um, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And verse 17. This sounds hollow to me. It's mid-heavy. Romans 14 and verse 17. And Paul in writing says, For the kingdom of God 
is not meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we could say it this way, this is the flow of the Holy Ghost. This is what being in the flow of the Holy Ghost will produce in your life. Amen. And no matter how much we read the Bible, no matter, thank God for the reading of the Bible, no matter how much we pray in tongues, confess the word and give, or even serve in our local church, if we aren't living daily, joy and peace, we are out of the flow of the Holy Ghost, and we're not walking in the Spirit. These are... These are flows that we can measure in our life and know really our spiritual temperature. And we can't permit anything to steal our peace and joy, or as, P, or as Pastor Jay talked about, we'll leave the easy flow and get into the hard flow. And uh, so the direction I'm going to minister tonight is in something in keeping with something that Dad Hagen said. He was still saying it in his 80s. After almost 70 years of ministry, he was saying the greatest temptation I've ever faced is the temptation to worry. Now, if he's saying that in his 80s after almost 70 years of ministry... We need to pay attention to that and make sure we're fortified because that's where, uh, that's where things can get in through that, that flow of worry. Well, Pastor Nancy, I've heard all this. Well, it's not irksome to me to preach to you the same thing again. It's a precaution for your safety. Amen, because you, it's so easy to slip into worry and not even realize you're there. Praise the Lord. A greater degree of power that's already beginning in this era is going to call for great skill at recognizing and staying out of worry. Many don't even recognize the flow of worry and fear in their life because it has become such a flow of their life and a way of thinking that they don't even recognize that they're in it because to them it's just living. Matthew 25 and verse 21 Matthew 25 and verse 21. The master was, in this passage, was leaving and he left his servants with certain amounts of talents that he distributed and then he came back with them and there was a reckoning. And in verse 21, Matthew 25, 21, the, the one had caused there to be increase with the talents he had received from his master. And in verse 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou 
into the joy of thy Lord. Notice what the Lord, what the Lord said to him. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. There were two things that were recognized, good and faithful. And so much of the time we focus on faithful. And that's right, but he said good first. What's the word mean? Good, skillful. You're good at what you did. You're, you were good at what you were entrusted with. You, you gained in skill. Amen. So to be successful... We have to be skillful. And uh, success requires skill. And I want you to to know to please your boss. You have to be good at your job or you lose it. God can give you a job. He can open the door and make a way for you to get a job. But if you don't grow in skill, you can lose the job God gave you because lack of being good. This good is not talking about behavior. It's talking about success through skill. So we see this. To be promoted, we must grow beyond our current skill level. If we stay at our current skill level, we stay where we're at. But for our, to be promoted, our skill level has to increase. Amen. And... Uh, I would say this, it's, it's fitting when we need to point this out. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter. Enter. So there's an entrance that's available to the ones who are good and skillful of more of the blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. So if we're going to be good and skillful servants in this era, it's going to call for us to be skillful at living worry-free. I so appreciate uh, the story. Um, Mom and Dad Hagen, their their two children were younger and they, young enough, they were both being carried and standing on the doorstep and they were getting ready to go in. And Mom Hagen said to Dad, says, I don't think you would worry if me and both the kids dropped dead right now. What a great observation your family could make about you. It doesn't kind of sound very romantic, but. And he said, well, wouldn't I be a fool to start worrying then? If you're dead, it wouldn't do any it, it, worrying about you wouldn't bring you back. And he said, I think it made her matter than ever when he said that. What's he saying? He he practiced early on having skill regarding staying in peace, staying in joy, because worry is an attack on your peace and it's an attack on your joy. And if we open the door to worry and let it in then we're out of the flow of the Holy Ghost. I want to remind and read again a few statements that Jesus said to me in St. Petersburg, Russia, when he talked to me about the price of the double portion anointing. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but just a, a few that relate to this tonight. And Jesus said to me that night, he said, when Elisha asked for a double portion of the anointing that was upon Elijah, Elijah told him he asked a hard thing. 
And Jesus said to me that night, it was not hard for God, but it would call for a hardness of Elisha toward his mind and toward his flesh. Meaning you can't be tolerant. You just can't give in to what other people yield to. You won't be able to yield to a, a way of thinking that other people are quite permissive toward. You can't allow your body to take a place in your life that other people just let their body run loose. It's going to put a demand on you to have a hardness toward your mind and toward your flesh. How many of you know that's a safe place? To not be permissive. Well, I'm human. Well, you've got divine power to help you live above what's human. And we can't dismiss ourselves. Well, you know, that's, you, you just know, Jesus, that's the way I was raised. Well, you know, you know what culture I'm out of. I mean, we, we are fighting people. All the permissions that we give ourselves, if we're going to walk in a double portion in a greater degree of the anointing, we cannot allow what other people call normal. Amen. And so Jesus said to me, it was not hard for God, but it would call for a hardness of Elisha toward his mind and toward his flesh. He could not be tolerant toward weakness of his mind and flesh if he was to carry a double portion of the anointing. Then Jesus went on and said, my yoke is light and easy. And then he said, walking in the spirit can be accomplished with lightness and ease. As you give yourself to focusing on two things, continually feeding and meditating on the word and continual prayer and fellowship with the father. Doing these two things will help you keep the door closed to the mind and the flesh. How many of you know worry comes to the mind? Doing these two things will help you keep the door closed to the mind and the flesh through which Satan and and his strategies gain entrance. Satan can't gain entrance through your spirit. He can only gain entrance through your mind and your body. Now you can let things into your spirit, but it came through your mind or your body. Doing wrong things with your mind, doing wrong things with your body. Amen. Then Jesus went on and said to me, meditate often and much on the lightness and the ease of my yoke. Listen to that. Meditate often and much on the lightness and ease of my yoke. What's that mean? That when something hard comes, you have to, you have to go back to thinking about the lightness and thinking about the ease. You can't process things, allow your mind to process things the way other people process it. Uh, what others, others call hard, you can't call hard. Oh my gosh, it's hard building a new business. Not for me, it's not. Oh my gosh, it's hard getting along. Not for me, it's not. You have to counter hardness all, all the time. You have to meditate much on the lightness. And the ease of what we're yoked up with. Amen. Amen. He said, meditate often and much on the lightness and the ease of my yoke. 
that you think right toward these things and the things he was referring to towards being hard and disciplined toward your mind and your flesh. Walking in the spirit, a lifestyle of living in the word and in fellowship with God. Then he went on and said, in my presence is fullness of joy. Carry out my plan in my presence. Then you will hold yourself in the joy of this flow where the mind and the body are always kept under the dominion of your spirit through the continual intake of the word and prayer. Amen. Then he said this, there is no burden to the responsibilities of the anointing. Amen. Now there are responsibilities, but they're not a burdensome response. They're a joyful responsibility. Amen. Amen. He said, as you take up your cross to follow me, it will lift you into the lightness and ease of my flow. Then I so loved this. He said, I never conducted my earthly life as being under a burden of the price I was to pay. Life for me was a great joy and delight. Now see, you look at all that opposed him. It never, it never touched him. He kept it out here. He kept it out. Because if we read and you paid attention to all the things that opposed him, all the things said against him, all the plans made against him, you would think, oh my goodness, he was, every day something was, something was challenging him. But he said my earthly life, it was, I never conducted my earthly life as being under a burden of the price I was to pay. Life was a great joy and delight. He said, I only experienced being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief for a few brief moments on the cross. But I carried sorrows and griefs so that you would never experience it for a moment. In my bearing it, I freed you from it. So that you would only live your life under that which is light and easy. If we're living something less than light and easy, we're living the wrong life. This is really walking in the spirit. Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen, and these are things we have to keep telling and talking about so these things are not, as Pastor Jay said, they aren't thrown away because of a past generation not on the earth. But Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen on one occasion and said, when I was on the earth, I was the power of God. If people needed something from God, they had to get to me. That's why the multitudes thronged me to touch me. But now that the Holy Ghost is on the earth, he is the power of God. And he is present everywhere. That's why power is present everywhere. And Jesus went on and said to Dad Hagen, there's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one if they only knew it was present and would give it action. So notice in connection with the power of God that's already present, it's in you, it's around you, it's everywhere you are. But there's two things you have to know it's present and give it action. What gives it action? Words of faith. Bring it into manifestation. Amen. Now, since we can do something to bring the power of God into manifestation, 
then we can also do something that keeps it from coming into manifestation. Power is ours. For every situation, power is already available to address every situation we're ever going to face. So we can open the door to that power so that it's brought into manifestation or we can close the door to that power, keeping it from coming into manifestation. If someone, if you had ordered a package online and they come to deliver it, even though you ordered it, even though you paid for it on your credit card, even though it has your number, if you do not open the door to your house, what you ordered cannot reach you. It can sit right on the threshold of your door where you can actually look through the peephole or look out a window and see it. But without an open door, you can't have it. Even though it's got your name on it, you could leave it out there for a year and if a thief doesn't come by and get it, it will stay out there waiting for a door to open to it. Amen. The power of God is the same way. The help of God is the same way. That it's all about what are we going to do with the access to our life. We're going to open the door or close the door. Um, there was a pastor that Dad Hagen held a, um, one of his crusades in his church. And I so appreciate that <clears throat> this pastor's in heaven now, but I'm so appreciative that I got to hear a question he asked Dad Hagen. He said, Dad, in all my years of pastoring, he said there would be at times someone who from some kind of physical condition would end up falling into a coma. And said, anytime I ministered to someone that was in a coma, they've always died. They've never recovered and regained health. And he said, is there something I need to know about ministering to someone in a coma that's different than ministering to others? Uh-huh. Brother, Copeland, uh, Brother Hagen said, yes, there is something you need to know. He said, you have to know, did they open the door or close the door to God before they went into the coma? Right. Right. Amen. Because what they said before they went into the coma either closed the door or opened the door. And if they close the door, you can't open it. They are the only ones that can open it and they're in a coma and unavailable to open it. And then Dad Hagen made this statement, not at that not at that time, but in connection with this, he said, when somebody has set a spiritual law in motion, you don't change it in a day. You can't say something once and change what they set in in motion for years. He said, that's why many of them don't live long enough to change, change the direction back, the spiritual momentum in the other direction. And so he said, you have to know, did they speak words of doubt? Did they speak words of fear before they went into that coma? Because if they did, the door's closed and no one can help them. Not even God because they have closed him out. He said, but if they spoke faith. So he said, if you can talk to someone near to them, if you can talk to a family member or somebody that would have been there, 
then you know what their words were, then you know how much you can help them. So what we see is this, power can be available, but it can be shut out. Worry is a door shutting out the power of God. You can pray, you can confess, but if you're going to worry, no answer, no help can come through the door that's closed. We are to be door openers to the right thing and door closers to the wrong thing. But so much of the time we're worrying and closing God out and we're letting the devil's challenge and opposition in by taking the worry and going, I don't know why my mind is having problems. Praise the Lord. So we could say this, power can be short-circuited. The power that is available, the Holy Ghost can be short-circuited. And worry is one of the primary things that will short-circuit the power of God. Whenever you have a region that a storm comes through and there may be a, a, a big tree that falls on a power line, they have to locate where the breakage is. Or they can't restore power. They can't just fail to go down that one section of the street where there are lines that have fallen and just say, we're going to fix them over here. It's the power still not going to reach over there till you find out where the outage is. You have to get off that line. What broke the line? Worry, worry affects the line. (laughs) Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Worry is nothing but fear. Panic attacks, anxiety, all of these things are nothing but the spirit of fear. And we have to recognize that fear is not simply a feeling, it is a spirit that we have authority over. But you have to talk to it. You know, Brother Copeland talked about, uh, he talked about how years ago, he fell behind six and a half million dollars. And it was, uh, he didn't really recognize it. He thought the whole ministry was behind. And when he was reading the annual reports, they brought to him and he was reading through it and God spoke to him and says, do you recognize the only department you worry about, which is the television department, is the only department that's in the red. What's that mean? You can have faith flowing to one department and worry flowing to another department. You can have faith flowing to your finances and worry flowing to your body. The different departments or arenas of your life, they each have their own door. And how we treat that door determines what happens within that room. Amen. And so he repented for worrying about the finances and within just weeks, that amount was paid off. Amen. Now go with me to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6 and we've got to uh, give a nod here that this is where Ed took us all the time. If you were in any of his services... I mean, he would bring us back to this one. 
the last several years, I mean, he preached little else. Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus was preaching and he said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought. This is called worry, don't worry. Take no thought for your life. And then he starts lining it out for what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. And people say, well, I'm not worried about what I eat. I'm not worried about what I drink. I'm talking about my mortgage. I'm talking about my insurance. I'm talking about my kids. God is, Jesus here, if he's saying, I don't want you to worry about the things you do every day. The least of the things you do every day is eat. You might not think it's the least. To foodies, it's not the least, but... Drinking, what you put on, it's something you do every day. So if he doesn't want us worrying about the least of the things we do every day, he certainly doesn't want us worrying about the bigger things that come once every six months or once every year. Amen. Dad Hagen used to say to us, how do you know if you're worrying, if you're thinking about it? That just nails hides to the wall. It just, if you're thinking about it. Uh, If you think back about when Dad Hagen was raised up off of his deathbed, he got saved the day he ended up on his deathbed as a 15 and a half year old. The first day he was bed fast, he uh, was born again. And he had him to bring him the Bible and he started in the New Testament reading, started with the book of Matthew and it didn't take him too many chapters before he hit Matthew 6. And this passage right here we just read, he came up to that passage and he says, take no thought for your life. Well, he said, I was certainly taking thought for my life. He says, I didn't know what was the matter with me. No doctor had told me what was the matter. And he says, I was worried about, worried myself to death, trying to figure out what was the matter with me. And he said, um, I got there to Matthew 6 and I, I said to God, if I have to stop worrying, I can't be a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Because he says, I've been taught to worry my whole life. Said my mom, my grandmother, they were world champion warriors. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. World champion. Yeah. Boy, that's another level. Yeah. <laughs> world champion warriors. <laughs> and so he kind of tried to skim over that verse and kept going to the next passages and next chapters. And he said, when I read on past Matthew six, he said, the mess, the Bible became dark to me. He said, I didn't get anything out of it. And he said, because God was dealing with me about Matthew six and I was trying to get past it and not deal with that. And he said, you want to know why the Bible is dark to so many of you? Because you're not, you're not doing the part that you've already been, the part you've already read and God's dealt with you about. And he said, until you deal with what he's dealing with you about, the Bible will be dark to you. 
And he said, I kept reading, but I got nothing out of it. And he said, finally, after a period of time, he said, I said, okay, God. It took him a while. But he said, okay, I repent for worrying. And he said, I promise you, I'll never worry another day as long as I live. Now, when God began dealing with Brother Hagen that he couldn't worry anymore, he at that time did not even know there were healing verses in the Bible. He didn't know he could be healed. And even when he thought he had to die, God was still dealing with him. You can't worry. Now you think you're good at not worrying. What if you didn't know healing was available? You thought you had to die, but you were not permitted to worry thinking that. And he committed to not worry. Dad Hagen said during that time he was bedfast, he was having three to five heart attacks every day. And he would hold on to the wooden bedposts. He'd grab hold of the headboard that had the wooden bedposts in it. And he said he'd hold on, holding on to life to try to keep from dying. And he said after he committed to God, he, and they, he said he had held on so much he wore the varnish off the headboard. And he said after he committed to God that he never would worry again. He said one of those heart attacks came and he went and grabbed hold of the headboard and in the middle of that heart attack, it dawned on him, that's worry. See, most people don't recognize what worry is. Holding on to that money that God told you gave, that's worry. Calling your child nine times a day, that's worry. Calling your husband all the time, where, where's he doing? What's, that's worry. And it's just a manner of life for some people, but it's worry in the eyes of the word. Talking about having certain conversations about your finances at the dinner table, most of the time it's worry. And then wondering why that, that arena is not getting any help because you got the door closed, worry closed it. Power can't reach it. Even though power's in the room. Even though power belongs to you. Worry short circuits the power of God. When you need the power of God, you better make sure there's no worry happening. Praise the Lord. So Dad Hagen said right in the middle of that heart attack, He said, it dawned on me, that's worry. I'm worried about dying. And he said, I thought to myself, well, if I die, I go to to heaven. And he said, so I just let go. And I said, just let her go. And he said, from that day forward, I never had another heart attack. Why? Worry, getting rid of that worry, refusing to cooperate with worry, open the door to the power to deal with what he wouldn't worry about anymore, which was the heart attacks. Now the power can reach that. Amen. Why did God, you would think God would have dealt with dad Hagen first about being healed because that's what occupied his thought life. But God wasn't catering 
to his thought life. He was catering to his word. If he would have taught him about healing first, but worry is still in place, the door still would have been closed to healing power. Or if God would have moved supernaturally by power and healed him without having any faith or understanding about healing, he'd have lost it due to worry. So he was dealing with what would destroy his victory. And he dealt with that first. And we have to realize that sometimes when we're having a certain need that needs to be met and we're praying for God to help us, he might look like he's going on a rabbit trail and start dealing with something else. And you go, no, 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 God, I'm, I need help over here. He says, I know that's why I'm, I'm over there. Because he knows what's connected. You start praying about your finances and he starts talking to you about your marriage. And you go, no, 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 you don't understand. My marriage is fine. Well, is it? <laughs> that might be the problem because you're calling it fine and everybody's not calling it fine. The, the strategies of the enemy are very subtle. And once you become skillful at staying in peace and shutting the door to worry, the devil's going to bring a subtle, a subtle way of working, baiting you. Yes, baiting you. And... Uh, Something that happened more recently to me, and I'm trying to say how to address it so I don't spill everything. <laughs> but something regarding a financial situation. And I, I, I had been thinking about a certain financial decision. And I thought, I would like to do that. That would be a blessing. I would like to do that. And... In the process of thinking about that, there came uh, several days after that, a thought, you better do this. You better do this. There came a a push with that. Because if you don't do this, it could cost you something. And I, I had been thinking about doing it just because it would have been a blessing to do. But now... The words came about doing it, but with a different spirit behind it. It's it's about the thing with that that girl with the spirit of divination. Remember, Paul, they they come to the city and she follows them around. She said, these are servants of the most high God who show unto us the way of salvation. She's saying true words. But it's an evil spirit working, speaking through her right words. Why? So that that spirit would have an influence over the work being done by Paul. And after many days, it says she did this for many days. And then Paul recognizes and the anointing comes on him. He might have recognized it earlier, but he had to be under the anointing to deal with it. Or maybe he didn't recognize it at first. It said many days she did this. And then he turned to her and cast a spirit out. And then Paul and Silas were given a a hotel stay. (laughs) At the local jail. And a massage. 
<laughs> Deep tissue massage. <laughs> <laughs> the words were correct the spirit saying them was wrong I was thinking of doing something and the devil got in on that later not that time later he said you better do this but there was a there was a bit of a push with it and it wasn't troubling it was if you don't this is going to happen which was a fear. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. Let me tell you what I did. I thought, well, I've just been too slow acting on this. So I called and I said, made a decision. I made a phone call to the office. I said, do such and such. The moment I hung up the phone, fear gripped me. And I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. The finances will be there for that. And I answered that fear. It wouldn't leave. It didn't leave. And I'm not used to it not leaving. I've had too much experience with what works and what doesn't work. And I know the authority. And when you deal with fear and it doesn't leave, there's, it's got permission somehow to stay. I've got to find what's giving it permission. Because I resisted it, it didn't leave. I went to bed that night. It didn't leave. I woke up the next morning. I'm still addressing. It didn't leave. So I quit talking to it and I started talking to God. And I said, God, there's permission for that to be here. I've opened the door somewhere. Where did I open the door? And he said, think back of the threat that came with those words. If you don't do this, this will happen. He said, I don't lead that way. I don't tag a threat onto any leading. How subtle it was. And it was not a when, when the enemy said the same words that were really in line with my desire. A desire of my heart said the same words, said like words, but then tagged on the threat to it. Subtle. But it was not a threat that was uh, troubling when it was stated. Why? Because he... The devil just wants you to hear the words, not feel them yet. He waits till you act on them. Because he's not in until you act. The door's not open till you act. So while he's standing on the outside of the door, you don't feel all you're going to feel if you act on that. So God said to me, think back. There was a threat connected with that instruction. It wasn't just you or it wasn't my spirit because I don't attach a threat to my instructions, to my leadings. And I said, got it. By acting on those words that sounded like something I would have done. I still failed to check the source. Why did I fail to check the source? I acted too fast. 
when it came, I just thought, yeah, I've been thinking about that in times past. I'm going to do it. And I was in the middle of meetings and I did not give it time. I'm a slow mover. Normally I'm a slow mover. And uh, I came back immediately after that thought came and I put that in place and I didn't give it time. What's it talk to uh, in James? Try the spirits. Try the spirits. It takes time to try the spirits. If the Holy Ghost tells you to do something, the Holy Ghost can pass the test of trying the spirits. That's why God will never push you on a timeline. You better do it. You better do it. You better do it. Because that's a spirit. An evil spirit can't pass the test of trying the spirit. Because it takes time. Some, when you're, if you're not clear, give it time. Sometimes you know in a moment, I know I need to do that. You know. But sometimes you have to take time to try what is it that spoke to you because I know this, not everything that speaks to you is spooky sounding and doesn't sound creepy. And that was my big miss. I didn't take time to evaluate, wait a minute, not mentally evaluate, but in here, what was going on when that came. So once the Holy Ghost showed me where I missed it, I go, I see it. I see it. And I said, all right, all right, you're caught. Now you get out. Now see, once I saw it, repented for missing it. Now I got, I got the door closed. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to learn where I opened the door instead of just say, you just agree with me in prayer. You know, you just agree with me in prayer. You just lay hands on me. No, that's not what it needs. We got to find what short-circuited the power. What short-circuited my peace. What short-circuited my joy. And so many people just mindlessly go through. They're, they're having fear over their marriage and fear over their children. And they just keep living that way. Find out where the access is. This is part of the skill that we're going to have to have. Amen. And I said, God, I said, I repent for missing that. And I said, uh, you know, because money, money was involved in that thing. God said, it's not about the money. He said, it was about you moving too quickly. That's where the correction needs to come. It's not about the money. Amen. But once I repented and then I turned to that spirit and I said, now you, now, now you leave in a moment It's just gone. Why? Because it was caught. Amen. Worry tries to lead you to action. So that you're calling your husband nine times a day, finding out where he's at, calling your wife all the time, calling the children all the time. What's motivating that? You better stop that. That's why the fear stays there because you're leaving, you act on what that fear suggests and you're opening the door wider and wider every time. 
Praise the Lord. And we, we know this in Job, and we won't take time to turn there, Job 3.25. He says, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. Mm. Hmm. Guess what? No peace, you're yielding to something. No joy, you're opening the door to something. Don't just try to, don't just try to deal with that thing till you know where the access is. The Holy Ghost will help you. I, um, there was, this, this was years ago, uh, an employee was at the office and they became ill while they were at the office. They told another employee, I'm going to go home. I don't feel well. That second employee thought to themselves, because they told me the testimony later, they thought to themselves, oh, they're getting sick. I hope I don't get sick. Well, when that thought came, they said, no, by his stripes, I'm healed. I resist sickness. I receive healing. And the next day they got sick. And you go, well, if they took a stand against sickness, why did they get sick? Because it wasn't sickness talking to them. It was fear talking to them. It was fear that suggested they were going to get sick. They should have said, fear. I resist you. But when they prayed, sick, no, they started praying healing scriptures. They believed what fear suggested and they opened the door to fear and they got sick. This is part of the skill that we have to have with worry. We have to pay attention. The devil would love for you to resist the wrong thing. So you opened the door to everything. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Um, years ago, I heard the testimony of a minister's wife. She was having physical issues and went to the hospital. And they said, for the first time she'd gone to the hospital with this physical condition, they said, you got three weeks. You have three weeks to live. She had the very worst kind of cancer there was, and it was aggressive. And she was in the final stages of it. And she, this happened in the early, no, this happened in the late 70s, early 80s, somewhere around in there. She's still alive today. <laughs> still alive today. And... Um, but when she gave her testimony, I was listening to her give her testimony. And she said, uh, the biggest thing I had to stand against was not the sickness, it was the fear. Right. Yeah. And she said this, she said, I was thinking as I was listening, I thought, I wonder, and this is before I even met Mary Dead. So this was well over 30 years ago. And... Uh, she was telling her testimony, and I just thought to myself, I wonder where the open door was. And I just thought that to myself, and then the very next statement on the cassette, she answered it. She says, I don't know how this cancer ever got in because I prayed against it every day for 10 years. <laughs> then I heard her give her testimony later in person. 
And she actually, she was giving a, uh, not, she didn't give it publicly. We were in the back room with her and her husband. And she said, I don't tell people this. She said, it took 15 years for every symptom to leave. And I go, I know why. Because she doesn't know where the door is. She never identified it because of her own testimony, she says, I don't know. I don't know. How it came on me, I prayed against it every day for 10 years. Praying fear, it's still fear. (laughs) Still fear. The devil wants you to pray fear thoughts. He wants you to pray worried thoughts because you keep the door open to him. And putting these thoughts and words in the guise of a prayer does not move them into faith. If they're worried thoughts, they're still worried thoughts no matter how long you talk to God about it. (laughs) Know this, with our actions and with our words, we're opening doors and we're closing doors. We're opening doors and we're closing doors. And we have to be skillful. Because so many people are asking God to do something and he can't get through their closed door. Now, I, I love hearing Dad Hagen talk about the testimony when he had the hospital visitor. Remember in the I Believe in Visions book, the chapter called The Hospital Visitor. And he had been preaching one night. He stepped outside. It was icy outside. He slipped and failed. Or was this when he was jumping over the recorder? Jumped over the crow recorder. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> A woman had put a big recorder right there at the edge of the platform to record the service for her, and he almost stepped on it and didn't want to step on it, and so he shifted his weight and ended up on his elbow and dislocated his elbow. So they had to take him to the hospital. The pastor's taking him to the hospital, and while they're in the car, the word of the Lord comes to him, and because he thought he had broken his arm and said, you did not break your arm, you only dislocated it. And then he said, don't worry about it, and I'll talk to you about it later. So he goes to the hospital, they tell him, they confirm what God said, he didn't break it, they only dislocated it, which was still a, a bit of an issue, they had to knock him out to put it back into place. So they wanted to keep him a couple days for observation. About the second day that he's there, he hears footsteps coming down the corridor of the, ho- of the hospital. He looks up and thinking it's a nurse, it's Jesus that walks into the room, pulls up a chair and sits down. Wow. Good hospital visit. <laughs> and in the course of that, he talks to him for an hour and a half. And in the course of that, he told him where he had opened the door. And that is, is that he was putting his teaching ministry in front of the prophet's office, that he was out of order with his call. So Jesus, the first thing he did, he didn't just deal with his physical condition. He dealt with the open door. God wants to help you, but the best way he can help you is help you find the open door. Instead of fixing the problem of why the do- of, of the door having been open. Right. Amen. Yeah. Right. Amen. But notice what 
the Holy Ghost said to him in the car on the way to the hospital. He told him it wasn't broken. He said, don't worry about it. And I'll speak to you about it later. The first thing Jesus said to Dad Hagen when he sat down in the room was, I told you about it in the car. My spirit spoke to you. I told you not to worry about it. And he said, and you're to be commended for not worrying. And Brother Hagen said, I'd been just having a good time, just having a high time, sitting there in the hospital, reading my Bible and resting. and, And he says, and I had not worried about it. Why do you think Jesus commended him for not worrying? I firmly believe if he would have worried, Jesus couldn't have come to the room. Why? Because worry closes the door to the power of God. He was telling him in the car, don't close the door to me. Don't worry. Why? Now see, Brother Hagen missed it. Isn't that right? When it says in the word, do not fret, the Amplified, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Philippians chapter four, verse six, do not fret or have any, 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 do not have it. That's right. It's good. Haven't you ever said to your children, I will not have that in this household? That's the same emphasis, the same intent. Do not have, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. So much of the time, what we fret about or have anxiety about is self-imposed. We missed it. We know we missed it. We did it wrong. But notice, you can't even fret or have any anxiety even when you miss it. You don't have to accept a measure of defeat just because you missed it. And you kind of get in this, we kind of get into this thing that if we missed it, we have to pay, you know, we have to suffer at least a little bit for it because we missed it. Yes, we missed it, but do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Then Jesus said to Dad Hagen in the car, do not worry about it. Why? Because he needs power. Amen. When you miss it, you need power more than ever. So do not fret or have any anxiety even when you miss it because God has power to fix what you missed. that missed it in that hotel room acting too fast, not weighing that voice, not taking the time to put that voice to the test, acted too fast because it was so similar to what my own intent was. I just thought the Holy Ghost was just prompting me to move quicker than I was moving. But if I would have just checked in here but it sounded so similar. The enemy is going to do things. In this era, he's got always another level of subtlety. He's got another level. Yeah. And uh, 
because Dad Hagen didn't worry, Jesus could step in manifested form and sit and talk to him and we're still reaping the benefits from that instruction it's a it's a safety to us it's an instruction to he spoke to him but he really spoke for us too my husband uh i don't i don't really remember what year this happened probably about 2000 maybe 8 2008 somewhere around in there he had a um, he had bone spurs on the back of his heels, and so he had a procedure done to deal with that. And uh, when he was after he had had that, and it's it was a surgery, you know, um, and they had him on medications and stuff. And I don't know if the medications because these pain relievers can really do things up here, right? And uh, I was gone one afternoon from the house, and I came home, and he said, uh, I mean, the devil really took advantage to uh, attack his mind during that time, uh, that time of recovery. And he said to me, he said, I was sitting in the chair, and he said, an angel came in and stood in front of me and said, you have run a good race. It's time for you to go home. And he said, it did not feel evil. It did not look evil. He looked light. He did not look dark. He said, the words didn't make me feel creepy or anything, nothing of that. He said, but I just recognized I'm not satisfied. And he says, with long life, he'll satisfy you and show you his salvation. And he said, not because it felt creepy, not because it felt oppressive. It did not. Why? Because the devil will disguise as an angel of light. And with that light will come everything that seems light. And he said, I looked at that thing that I considered and, I, and he said, I answered and it says, no, with long life, he'll satisfy me. And show me his salvation. Now you leave in Jesus' name. He said that thing left. But what if the influence of those words would have gotten him considering something different than what the words said? Skill. Because when we're talking about 100% potential of the Gifts of the Spirit and manifestation. The devil's not going to apply 20% deception. 20% subtlety. Amen. Skill. Nothing to be afraid of but skill. And one of the keys to having skill is move slow enough to be taught. Because if you're in the habit of being impatient and move too quickly, then when something happens, you won't give yourself time to be a student in that situation to be instructed by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. And do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. 
And what are we to do? Well, the word tells us casting all your care on him. For he cares for you. In other words, what you put in his hands is what he works on. If we don't put it in, in, in his hands, he can't work on it. Even though he knows we need his help. Only when it comes to his hands. Worry is a sign that you're trying to fix it. You're trying to fix it up here. Uh, I love something that Pastor Jay told. I wrote, I wrote down something that he said. He was teaching in healing school at Ramah years ago. And before, I, I believe it was before you got up to teach. You were sta- I don't know if you were uh, just preparing to teach or, or if you might have been in the back room. I think you were there in the, in the room with those you were teaching. And you had a vision and you saw them sitting with their arms. You saw everyone in there, right? They had their arms wrapped around them tight. Several people wrapped with their arms wrapped close around them. And God spoke to you and said this to you. He said, they are holding on to their sickness. And Pastor Jay spoke back and said, well, God, they're not in healing school to hold on to their sickness. They're here because they want to receive healing. What do you mean they're holding on to their sickness? And God said this, what they've got their minds on is what they're attending to. And what they're attending to is what they're embracing. What you have your mind on. What you have your mind on is what's being held into your life. Amen. God was letting him know that their minds and their attention was on their sickness. They were, they were thinking about their bodies. They were thinking about their condition. You can't have worried thoughts and have power flow because worry closes the door to the power of God. Worried thoughts are dangerous thoughts. They're not just troubling, they're dangerous because what you worry about, power can't touch. You, power has no access to the things that you worry about. Praise the Lord. Until they let go of their sickness out of their thought life, they could not receive healing. Until you quit thinking about the financial problem, power can't help your financial problem. It can't reach it. Just know this, worry, it, worry closes off God. Amen. Amen. And the good thing is, we're authorized to never worry again. Amen. If you want to be free from something, you have to get it out of your thought life. You have to quit thinking about it. You say, well, how do I do that? That's why Proverbs 4.20 is so important. My son, attend to my words, because your mind is always attending to something. Yeah, that's right. It can be attending to your business problems, right. your house problems, your marriage problems. But what you're attending to is either opening the door or closing the door to God's power. That's right. wow. 
And we have to be skillful in the face of this. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Fill your thoughts with what you want. But in all honesty, a lot of people just don't pay attention to what they're thinking about. They just don't pay attention. And our lives every year should be more peaceful than they were last year. If our peace isn't growing, our joy isn't increasing, amen, we're doing it wrong. And it's all because of here. It's not because the devil attacked. Praise the, praise the Lord. Many are depressed, fearful, worried, anxious, panic attacks, anxiety for one reason. What they're thinking about. What they're tending to in their thought life. Worried. That, worried over their ministry. Worried over not fulfilling their call. You're not going to fulfill your call worrying about it. Enjoy the ride. Amen. What did Ed say? Go fishing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. You go, what are you talking about, Nancy? I'm sorry, you just should have been here. Yeah. <laughs> no, he would say, when you start getting entrenched in this, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Just go fishing. Quit trying. Quit trying. There was a man, a pastor who lived in a, in a community, in a farming community, and uh, he needed $50,000, I mean, within a week or so, or I mean, they were going to be in some serious problems. And he says, I was just trying, you know, and praying because you're trying, yeah. not praying because you're believing, praying because you're trying. <laughs> We've all done that. Yeah. Confessing, not because you're believing, but because you're trying. That trying confessions doesn't work. And Ed had just come to his church and preached. And Ed had said, go fishing. And so he had been trying for weeks to get that $50,000 he needed. And he said, forget it. He says, I can't, I've done everything I can to get it. I can't get it. And he told his wife, forget it. I'm going fishing. He said, literally, I'm going fishing. And he said he got in his little boat and went out on some piece of water somewhere. And he said, I was out fishing and got a phone call. And my wife said, we just received a check for $50,000. He said, while I was fishing. What's that mean? When he finally quit worrying, power could assist. When he quit thinking about it. You're not going to get your house thinking about it. The more you can keep your mind in neutral off that situation, it's a practice, it's a training to do. Practice, what are you doing up here? We're going to be so skillful. And that's not a threat, that's a joy to grow in the skill of this. Praise the Lord. I don't know if people just thought I was rude or, or not caring or what, but my husband went home on the Friday and on Monday I went into Francine's office, the financial office, and I said, tell me where we're at financially. 
She said, well, pastor, today's payday. She said, we missed last payday. I said, we did. <laughs> you say, well, didn't you know that? No, because she, uh, she handles my personal, so I have no idea. <laughs> and all the financial people on the front row laugh, yes. <laughs> and so I had no idea whether we got paid or not. And uh, so she said, uh, so today is the second payday. And I said, how much money do we have in the account? And she said, $1,200 for 20-something salaries. So you know if we're behind in salaries, we're we're behind in some bills somewhere. And with all the other stuff, I just stood there and I just started laughing. I don't know. I don't know where there's money. I don't know how to get money. I don't know. He's like, oh well. Oh well. And I told her, I don't know what to do. I can't get it in here by 4 o'clock, 4.30 today. If I could have, it had already been in. So I said, I'm going to go home and polish my nails. Why? I don't want to go fishing. But I do like nail stuff. Whether you know it or not, I have a nail fetish. I have a nail addiction. From the time I was little bitty, I love nail polish. I love, I would put it on and then take it off and put on the next color and take it off. And I always had short nails because of playing the piano, you know, you just beat them off. But I thought if I get the right color, they're going to look long. And I, I cannot begin to tell you about my nail fetishes. I am still that way. I am still that way. I don't care if I got a sermon to preach. If there's a chip on my nail, we change your nail polish. <laughs> you have no idea. And Jesus likes that. Because while I was polishing my nail, while I was polishing my nails, while I was polishing my nails. Francine texted me or called me, I don't know, contacted me and said, Pastor, a check for $100,000 just arrived. Yeah. So I said, Francine, you get to tell the staff because she had gotten to tell them you don't get a paycheck this week. You know, so I thought it's only right to get let her tell some good news. And so we called her. I said, I'll be down to the, I'll be down there in a few minutes. You call all the staff in. I don't know if they thought they were getting laid off or what. <laughs> you know, it's a bad. Doctor just went home and we haven't gotten a paycheck and it's payday today. Oh, who's staying? Who's going? <laughs> It was important to Jesus that with that announcement, my nails look good. Always got to be ready. Always got to be ready. (laughs) 
<laughs> so she start, she announced it to the staff and they took off a shouting and a running and I, sh- and I calmed them down. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you think this was your faith? <laughs> right. Oh, that you released from Friday to Monday. I said, I guarantee you, Ed had a talk with Jesus. Once he got there. So I said, this is still his, his, the momentum of his faith that he was releasing. (laughs) Amen. But what am I trying to say? Worry and fixes nothing. It, It breaks everything. But it fixes nothing. We should not tolerate the sin of worry anymore. We'd tolerate the sin of thieving. Any more than we would tolerate the sin of drug addiction or any other thing. We shouldn't tolerate the sin of worry. It's a sin, it's a sin, it's a sin. And the greatest reason it's a sin, number one, Jesus said, take no thought. But another thing is, is it shuts God out and he wants in. He wants into your situation with his power. Amen. Are you helped tonight? Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you. We're so glad to know worry-free is our life. Worry-free is what you plan for us, and that's what we're taking. That's what we're choosing to live. That's the way we live. Worry-free. 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 Not thinking about it anymore. Not thinking about it anymore. Not thinking about it anymore. What you been thinking about? Quit it. Quit it. If you're a man, go fishing. If you're a woman, do your nails. Whatever it is to keep your mind out of that. Amen. Praise the Lord. When worried thoughts come, what you going to do? Number one, answer it. Answer it specifically. If the thought comes, you don't have enough money to meet your mortgage, you're going to lose your house, say, I will not lose my house. Don't pray to God, talk to the thought. I will not lose my house because no weapon formed against me will prosper. Number two, can I tell you this? It's more than likely the spirit of fear talking to you. So speak to the spirit. Don't let it stay in your room and in your house to just keep saying stuff over and over. Talk to the spirit that spoke to you to get out. And then number three, put your attention on God. And the best way to do that is worshiping. And hold your attention on God and off of what the fear suggested. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's sing something.
Joe. Fear free, mm, that's me. Fear free, that's me. When circumstances come to bring defeat, I say fear free, that's me. Fear free, that's me. Fear free, fear free, that's me. Keep saying that. Fear free, fear free, that's me. Fear free, fear free, that's me. When circumstances come to bring defeat, fear free, that's me. Fear free, fear free, that's me. Fear free, fear free, that's me. When circumstances come to bring defeat, fear free, that's me. Sing it, everyone, fear free, that's me. Circumstances come to bring defeat. Fear free. Fear free. That's me. Hey, fear free. Fear free. That's me. That's me. Fear free. Fear free. That's me. That's me. When circumstances come to bring defeat. Fear free. That's me. Now listen to this. There's something in the Bible called easy and light, but the devil, he don't like that. He wants to bring you a fight to where you're, you're always concerned, always worried about things. You just can't stop. You just can't find peace. But I'm telling you, if you learn to take your cares like a fishing line and just cast them far away, you won't have the feelings of fear anymore. You'll just have that easy and light life because you're fear free. That's me. Fear free. That's me. When circumstances come to bring defeat, say fear free. That's me. Say it again. Fear free. That's me. Fear free. That's me. When those circumstances come to bring defeat, fear free. That's me. You think you're free from all those worries, but then something comes up. <laughs> and you realize, like that sticky flypaper that Brother Hagen would talk about, it's it's stuck. And that when you try to cast it off, and there it is. And you try to cast it off, and there it is. Ha! Huh. But you catch it. I said, you catch yourself. And you say, I don't take that. I won't have that. I cast it. It's not mine. <laughs> Here's what we do. One, two, three, fear free. That's me. Fear free. Hey, that's me. When those circumstances come to bring defeat, fear free. That's me. Sing it now, fear free. That's me. Fear free. That's me. When those circumstances come to bring defeat, fear free, fear free, that's me. Here's your verse. When you're feeling under. 
like this the folk ain't just standing there going mm-hmm. huh I'm telling you and you know I, I know I, I never took dancing lessons but I'm telling you they grabbed him a partner
talking about, was it a nightclub you said? Nightclub? <laughs> or a club or something. And if you found someone that was the one drinking and they got drunk, they'd say, set everybody up. You never found the one not drinking sitting back in the corner say, set everybody up. It's always the one drinking that wants everybody else like them, right? So I saw some of these people drinking. Janine, I saw you drinking. Come here. <laughs> so I want you just go down the aisle and set everybody up with.
let this be a sign to you that you enter the next phase. You enter the next phase. And what I was, what, what was coming to me when we were, when all that. Yeah. <laughs> if worry closes doors. That's one way of getting to your seat. Worry closes doors. When you get rid of doors, doors, when you get rid of worry, doors open. When you make a decision, I'm done with the flow of worry. Then you can enter into things. And I believe that some people have been kept out of the next thing God had for them, even in their ministries, because the door was closed through worry. And you deal with that. And you call it wrong. And you say, I'm not doing it anymore. The Holy Ghost will help you catch that. But I believe, I want all, I want all those in full-time, five-fold ministry come up here. Or line up some way, orderly, orderly. And I want, there's three, Pastor Chris, Pastor Jay, Pastor Craig. Those three come up here, come up here. And I want y'all to lay hands. There's impartations for these ministers. And God said to me, these three, because not to say that others haven't, but these have received impartations from my husband. And there's something to be imparted from those impartations that you've received into these. Hallelujah. Full time, fivefold. Hallelujah. Currently in ministry. So I need ushers with all three. Make sure that certain ushers watch each man. And Pastor Craig, won't you start down that end?
the microphone, would you? Now, Pastor Jay, you got something for me. Come here. Say whatever God has for you. These enhanced strategies of the enemy in this era. Mm -hmm. These elevated deceptions that comes in to try to get this era off, this move of the spirit off, to redirect it, get it flowing the wrong direction. That strategy will not work because of the discipline and the consecration and the hunger in your heart to seek God and get the answers to give to all the rest of the body of Christ. So the strategies of the enemy enhanced in this era and in this time will not work in this era like they worked in the past for those that will heed your voice. And that voice will be given greater and greater amplification. And the voice will bring order and bring divine impetus to what God wanted to continue to go until Jesus comes. Those that heed your voice, they will stay on track and stay on course. And the era will not be aborted because those that heed this voice, your voice, by the Spirit, they will be brought to order and kept in order. And the glory of God will continue to advance and increase until the end. And the heart of the Father will be pleased because you have sought him and you have been humble before him and you have consecrated yourself to get your answers. And yea, you even said in your heart and in your, with your own mouth, Father, if you give me the answers, I'll give it to the others that need the answers. And so the heart of the Father is pleased that you looked not just to your own need, but looked to the need of his people for his people are precious to him. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We glorify you for what you've received tonight. Amen. For what you've received tonight. Father, we thank you. 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 We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, Amba astataye ete teki ata. Astaye. Ha ha ha. Father, we thank you for that angel assigned to assist those who hook up with this message, those who hook up to the flow. Ha <laughs> ha. Ah and all the many multitudes of ranking angels under that one. 
going out and assisting your people, your men, your women that stand at the forefront. Ah, divine assistance. Strengthened as those that angel assigns and speaks for the ranking angels under him to come and assist and stand by and bring equipment, bring supplies, bring resources, bring other help. Ha <laughs> ha. For those, for those who say, I want the highest flow. <laughs> those who say, <laughs> those who say, I will not leave the message. There is divine assistance that belongs to the message. And as they stay with the message, they become partakers of that divine assistance. We thank you. That angel, that high, high ranking angel is dispatched. Ha ha ha. Ah, we receive of that help. We recognize and we acknowledge the hosts that assist. Ah, we thank you. Ah, matakaye. Ah, shtikikiye. We thank you. Yes, I remember that. Dad Hagen spoke about he had a messenger angel that worked with him. An angel that worked with the message, brought him messages, but also went with the message he preached. I thank you that he's still working. He didn't leave with dad. <laughs> he's still here working with the message. And he's working with this company who, who regard and honor the message. Whether they're in this room or not, no, just if they move with the message, we thank you. Yes. So we acknowledge that angel. We recognize and we receive of the assistance and of the multitudes under that angel. And we agree to their cooperation in the plan of God. We thank you. So I say to you by the Spirit, those who embrace the message, move with the message, don't neglect that angelic divine help that belongs and moves with the message. Employ them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Yeah, I got it. I got it. That same, that same angel, that same messenger angel working. I'd forgotten about that, Father. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you. Thank you for reminding so that we receive 
they're working. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Praise the Lord. One of the things, I believe it was Pastor Chris when he was preaching, talking about preparing for where you're headed, not just preparing for today, but preparing for where you're headed. What was preached tonight has to be skillfully lived because it's part of the preparation to get where you're headed. Because until we're prepared, we're not safe going there. It's unsafe for the Father to promote us and advance us into phases that we're not prepared to meet. And this is part of it. What we do with this part of the preparation, the renewing of the mind. Amen. And know this, what you tend to worry about, what tends to be a tripping place of worry in your thought life is a flag to you. This is where to renew your mind. It's in, it's an indicator of what, what to further renew your mind in. Amen. That's part of our preparation. Amen. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. That messenger angel. We thank you. We thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We glorify you. Yes, and we'll give place to their assistance. We give place to that assistance. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just stand to our feet and worship Him before we leave. Father, we glorify You for the greatness of Your plan. Thank You for the greatness of Your plan. Thank you. We thank you. We worship you and glorify you. We worship you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the impartations. Thank you for the light, for the clarity, for the answers. We seek first what your kingdom is doing in this hour. We seek first. That's our priority. Your plan. 
thank you for it. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. We glorify you. We glorify you. Magnify you. Let's just lift up our hands and worship him in the spirit. Worship him with other tongues. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Well, I'm so glad I'm here this week. What about you? So glad. So glad I'm here. Hallelujah. Well, you don't want to miss the other services. And we don't know what's going to happen, but we know it's going to be good because his plan is always good. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just sing a song of thanksgiving. Whatever. Whatever. somebody before you're dismissed and say, I'm so glad I was here. And you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.